Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. It's time to start whipping up some tasty frozen treats. Disney lovers, are you wondering how that homemade Dole Whip turned out? If it's as good as the original, we may be in trouble. We'll also introduce a Rocky Road ice cream with a few modern twists to turn this classic flavor into a summertime staple. Finally, we'll chat about one of our favorite ways to recycle, with fruit. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, I am hot off an airplane from a visit to Utica, New York, to see my husband's family. Uh, have you ever traveled to upstate New York? I haven't. It is a place I would really like to visit. It looks so beautiful. Yeah. I've always wanted to go there. It was also my first time. I've been to New York City, but I had never been outside of there. Yeah. And the people are absolutely lovely. I could spend all day talking about them, but I will focus on, as always, the baked goods I encountered. <laughs> <laughs> Let's focus. Yes. The important things. And specifically what I want to talk about is regional pride in specialties oh. or delicacies to the area. So I grew up in New Orleans, which, of course, has a yeah. huge amount of pride related to their food. And yes, every time someone visits New Orleans, people who live there want to make sure they try certain things. And I thought that was something that was kind of unique to New Orleans, to be honest. I've, I've okay. seen it in other areas, but never quite so strong until I visited Utica in New York. <laughs> <laughs> These people love their food. <laughs> like when I think of New Orleans, I I can think as not a New Orleans person, I can think of of a few things that come to mind, you know, like beignets, gumbo, muffaletta sandwiches, but I'm not so sure about Utica, New York. What's going on food-wise there? Uh, the two things that were present at almost every event that we went to and in let's see Three days, we went to six events, and oh, there was food at every single one of them, which I loved. Yeah, sounding like my kind of town mm -hmm. already. Yeah, so. yeah. Tomato <laughs> yeah. pie, and that was an appetizer. <gasps> it was usually served room temperature, and mm -hmm. probably the best way to describe it would be like a pizza crust with tomato yep. sauce on top. Not fresh tomatoes or anything like that? No. And of course, this is where you get into great controversy and discussion about what a tomato pie should be or shouldn't be. Okay. The first one that I had was just the crust and the tomato sauce. The second day, I had one that I believe had a sprinkling of Romano cheese on top. And some people said that's Ooh. great. And some people said that's sacrilege. And the third day, <laughs> I had one that I think also had either some oregano or basil. And again, some people were like, oh, that's adds a nice flavor. And some people were like, that should never be done on a tomato pie. So I just love the passion. I thought it was fabulous. <laughs> but if you were looking at it, were you like, oh, they have someone has a cheese pizza here or someone has a tomato? I mean, would you call that a pie? Did it look like pie to you? Do they cut it like a piece of pie? Oh, good question. No, it was I would say baked in a rectangular sheet pan, so it almost oh. always was a big rectangle. And then people would use pizza cutters to cut it, but they cut it in rectangles, so kind of like lemon okay. bars or brownies or blondies. 
All right. Mm -hmm. Tomato pie. All right. Okay. So look that up. Um, tomato pie from Utica. And then on the desserts, almost every meal, someone would bring out something called Utica half moons. <laughs> have you ever heard of these? I have never heard of these. I can't. I can't wait. Are, okay, here's my guess. Here's my guess. Um, okay. Am I anywhere close? You know those shortbread, like a, like a shortbread cookie, what are they called? Like a sandy maybe? And they're in that kind of crescent shape. Anything anywhere close? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I like the idea okay. of where you're going with okay. that. No, I, in fact, made the mistake of when I saw these saying, oh, I'll have a black and white. And <gasps> I immediately was oh, shut down. That's a New York City thing, maybe. <laughs> this is oh. not a black and white. This is a half moon. So it is a I it looks like a cookie, but to me the texture is more like a sponge cake or, you know, almost like the top of a cupcake mm -hmm. and then it's frosted with half chocolate frosting, half white frosting. Okay. And I had it from two different bakeries. I thought they were both equally lovely, although again, there were very strong preferences for one versus the other. Yes. I just thought it was so much fun to try their specialties. So I brought home a dozen of those. I was going to bring them to my daughter's school yesterday, and my daughter saw them in the car. She said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I thought I would, you know, share these since uh, you had to miss a little bit of school to thank people who kind of worked with your schedule and let you rearrange things. And she's, you know, was like, uh, we're not giving those away. <laughs> We'll just be turning around and putting that box back in our own kitchen. I just tucked it back into my own kitchen. The other thing that I had that I wanted to share, just because I think it's going to be right up preheaters alley, this was at a meal where a lot of different people brought dishes, mm. and we had eaten, and then I heard someone say, you know, dessert's coming out, so I was starting to perk up and get all excited, <laughs> and someone said, hurry, because the ice cream sandwiches are going fast, Ooh. so I leapt from my chair, and... <laughs> went to find them and guess what this lady had done i mean i've struck out on both tomato pie and the moon cake so i'm not sure <laughs> i'm the right person yeah. to ask you got to just tell me what 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 has what has happened i'll just tell you how do they do it in upstate new york our beloved biscoff cookie <gasps> she dipped half in chocolate yes and then she obviously had softened some chocolate ice cream and spread it in between two Biscoff cookies. So there were multiple things I loved about this. Number one, easy. You know, yes. you buy your sleeve of Biscoff cookies. You sure you have to melt a little bit of chocolate to dip those mm -hmm. in, but that's mm -hmm. not too difficult. And then, you know, you could buy your ice cream. You don't have to make it. Number two, size. It was like a mini ice cream sandwich. Right. Those Biscoff cookies are not very large to begin with. Yeah. It was just perfect. I love, you know, my love for mini desserts. And especially after you have a big meal and you want to try things, but you're like, I don't really know if I have room. This was just such a nice way to top that off. So Biscoff ice cream sandwiches, two thumbs up. Half moons, two thumbs up. Tomato pie, 16 thumbs up. I cannot recommend the food in Utica, New York, highly enough. I love it. And I love how you were talking about the regional food pride, mm -hmm. too. I mean, we've talked about that on the show for so long. And have you noticed recently there's been some kind of chatter about a preheated road trip going on on Facebook. Yes. I think this came up in a post by Ruth, who's in Florida. And listeners, you may remember Ruth posted those gorgeous pictures of making her sister's wedding cake, which was such a generous and, and beautiful gift to, to give them. And she was saying, hey, come on down to Florida. And I know we have an invitation from Vicki in 
Indiana. Yes. And uh, so I it's shaping up. It's going to happen. I think so. Was Ruth the one standing on the ladder? Yes. I love that picture. I love that. That was so great. I thought it was so brave of her to bake a wedding cake, number one. I just, the pressure of that would make me anxiety ridden. And number yeah. two, it was a bunt, right? It was beautiful, wasn't yes, it? It was. Yes. I know. I know. Ruth, true pretty heater. I know. How fun to have um, a bunt for a wedding cake. That's not very traditional. I thought that was so great. Well, speaking of regional fun, Andrea, we still have some tickets available for our first ever live event, which is happening this summer in just a few weeks. I'll be back in the USA. And we are doing our Pies and Prosecco with Preheated live event. It is on Saturday, so July 28th uh, in the evening. And the registration link is up now on our Facebook page and on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. And you can see if there's still tickets available. It's going to be a really fun night. We're going to be making some seasonal pies and hanging out with listeners and we are going to be at the Little General, which is right in downtown Olympia. So starting, you know, our regional pride in the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely. I am so excited about yeah. this. I, of course, am most excited about seeing you. Aww. But I am equally excited about making pies with preheaters while we sip on our Prosecco. So uh, July 28th can't come soon enough for Aww, me. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, you don't ever have to buy a ticket to see me, too. So even though technically, <laughs> I guess you do if you want to come on airplane. But anyway, you know what I mean. Okay. I was <laughs> yes. When you said that, I thought, really? How How is that possible? On to a review of last week's recipe. We kicked off our frozen month with Dole Whip, which we both enjoyed in the Disney yeah. parks. This is a non-dairy frozen treat from the Dole Company. There are numerous copycat recipes out there. We went with the one from the Dole Company. Stefan, you have more experience than I do visiting Disneyland and having Dole Whip. So how about you kick it off? How did your dessert making go and how does it compare to the original? Well, this recipe was met with perhaps the highest level of anticipation that any preheated recipe has achieved uh, in, what, a year and a half now? So Dole Whip is a huge hit in my family. We always make our way to to the stand when we're at Disneyland or elsewhere where that's available. So delicious. Of course, nowhere near us here in London. And I made it on a really hot day and I think the the heading on this recipe from Dole says, you know, it's got four ingredients and it takes minutes to prepare. And for the most mm -hmm. part, I completely agreed with that. Now, you do have to freeze your your pineapple juice. Uh, so that, you know, takes a little bit of forethought. But but then it truly is those four ingredients. It's the pineapple juice. It's a little confectioner's sugar. It's a, some banana uh, and also frozen. And then some coconut milk beverage, which I found no problem. I was a little unsure about what to look out Good. for. But right next to the soy milk and the almond milk, as you said, it would be in the grocery store. So no problem there. I froze up the banana and the, the juice. So... One thing that, Andrea, I realized is my blender is like the 1950s blender. It's got the engine of like a little uh -oh. mouse running on a treadmill. Like, <laughs> uh -oh. And I think, oh, no. I think that might have been a hindrance here. Do you have one of those super powerful Vitamix blenders? Am I remembering that correctly? Is that what it's called, Vitamix? I do. Okay. And I'm glad you're bringing this up because as I was making mine in my Vitamix, I was having a lot of trouble. Oh. I have a, 
I have the Vitamix has, you know, a regular lid, and then it also has almost what I would describe as an enormous plunger okay. that you can put through that lid hole and you can use it to push the frozen items down into the blender. Okay. I rarely have to use that. I had to use that constantly mm. when I was making okay. mine, and I still had trouble okay. getting it all blended. Okay. There's just not enough liquid. Exactly. And, you know, this recipe does say you need a quarter to a half a cup of the coconut milk beverage. I used that half a cup. And then I probably added another quarter cup, if not another half cup. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought that would make that easier next time is to freeze the banana, freeze the pineapple juice, and then maybe take it out of the freezer, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes, let it just kind of come to room temperature so it was a little more slushy. I think for folks who just have a, my, mine's just a KitchenAid regular blender, I think that would maybe help and maybe sounds like would help in your situation even with the high-powered blender. I think that's a really good suggestion. I realized as I was doing this that that's what I do in the morning when I make my smoothies. I hadn't even really thought about it. But typically, I wake up, I grab my frozen fruits from the freezer, I put them in the Vitamix, and then I go about and do my coffee and make yeah. lunches and you know do the other stuff. And then I turn around. So it usually has about 10 to 15 minutes. I normally have no problem with my Vitamix. And with this one, I did pull the ice cube straight out of the freezer. Yep. I pulled the banana straight out Same. of the freezer. Yes. And, you know, those are two pretty frozen things. And then just that little quarter cup of coconut milk, it just doesn't give it enough, you know, wetness for the blender to really kind of get those blades engaged. Yeah, I agree. So if I did that again, I would make sure it had had warmed up at least just a little bit. Now, this recipe just says for one banana. Mine was probably what I would call a medium size, and it was speckled with brown, so it was medium soft. It wasn't like at the point for banana bread, but it certainly wasn't maybe more mm-hmm. where I would just you know eat it on cereal or something like that. I also cut mm-hmm. it before I froze it, and that doesn't specify that, but I think having it in the chunks is also helpful in the final uh, application in the blender. Oh, definitely. So I, you know, at the end of the day, this is really good. It's very easy. It's very refreshing. It seemed to me, though, more like a frozen yogurt. It was more banana-y than I remember the Dole Whip being. Now, that could have been down to the ripeness of the banana I used. Did you taste more of the pineapple or the banana here? Definitely more of the banana. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. not a bad thing. I love a frozen banana also. I just remember more of a pineapple flavor in the authentic dill whip. I think my daughter had kind of summed it up the best. And, and again, let me state, this was gone in like two minutes. So there were no, yeah. compl- you know, not, no leftovers. I served it in my commemorative dill pineapple. Now, Andrea, you may be saying, <laughs> Stefan, you know, moving 6,000 miles away and you're trying to make decisions about what to take and... Did it ever cross your mind that you wouldn't bring your Dole commemorative plastic pineapple? No. <laughs> I imagine on your, what's it called, the the lading and billing sheet or whatever, yes. where you have mm-hmm. to list mm-hmm. all of the items. I, I just imagine some clerk reviewing that and saying, plastic commemorative Dole pineapple. Really? She really needed to haul that across the ocean? And how can I possibly put the <laughs> replacement cost? I cannot. Priceless. So... <laughs> so 
Indeed, it was worth it because I, I put it right in there for the photo for the photo shoot. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think Dole might still be keeping their, their recipe a bit of a secret because this was just a little not the same to me. Still delicious, but not not Dole Whip. What, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, we're on the same page with this one. I was very excited to make it. One of the reasons I was excited is during the summer, we buy a lot of pineapples and we grill them on our outdoor mm. grill, on our big green egg, and they get a nice smoky flavor and I'll serve them as a side dish with barbecue or hamburgers or I mean they just go so well with a lot of things and after we you know get that pineapple all you know I use my pineapple unitasker that device that I screw down into the pineapple and it lifts out those perfect rings my husband takes that empty shell of the pineapple and he crushes it with all of his might it's kind of fun to watch (laughs) and I know he always gets between a cup and a cup and a half of pineapple juice out of that. Just with his hands? Just with his bare hands. I'll- oh, my God. He's like the strong man at the at the circus. Holy cow. Perhaps I should live video him next time and see if Dole might be interested in having him perform at the park. So I had a container of fresh pineapple juice, which was, oh, you know, delish. just perfect. So I froze those into cubes. I always keep frozen bananas in my freezer because I make a lot of smoothies. And I always have them cut up into chunks. So I kind of estimated, yeah. you know, how much would make an actual banana. I can't say for sure. And bananas vary in size anyway, so I didn't worry too much about that. Um, okay. I had the difficulties with the blender, even though it's a super high-powered blender that rarely has any trouble. So I agree with you. Let your things soften. And I have to say, very disappointed in the results. Yeah. 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 Um, we definitely had leftovers. I took a couple of bites, okay. and then I was like, eh. And then I gave my daughter a couple of bites, and she said, eh. And, you know, same thing with my husband. So I actually ended up kind of dumping most of it. So I have two theories. You have already alluded to one of them, which oh. we've discussed on this show before, our baking conspiracies. <laughs> That's the only kind of conspiracies we're going to get into on this podcast. (laughs) And part of me thought, huh, what's in it for Dole to tell us what's really in the Dole Whip? Because then we're not going to be going to their stand in Disney and buying the Dole Whip if we could make it at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my first theory. My second theory relates to something that a writer named Joe Posnaski, who's actually a baseball writer, but listener Craig turned me on to this, and he has created a word called pixie food. Now, have you ever heard of the term pixie food, Stefan? This sounds like a Tinkerbell related <laughs> category. I have not. What is a pixie food? How perfect. P-I-X-P-I-X-I-E. P-I-X-I-F-O-O-D. I mean it's completely made completely oh. made up word. Okay. 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 Here's his definition. Any food substance that is highly pleasant to the taste as a child and tastes shockingly unpleasant once you become an adult. <laughs> now, I would not throw Dole Whip entirely into the category of pixie food because it was not shockingly unpleasant. It just was not what I remembered. And I think that was what was disappointing. So I don't know if Dole didn't give us the full recipe. I don't know if um, the things that are in the actual Dole Whip, things like guar gum and lecithin and other thickeners, you know, are not something a, a home cook would use. And in fact, I don't want to use. So maybe it is that there's all sorts of suspect chemicals in 
the original version that I'm not putting in my homemade version, and that's probably a good thing. Or maybe yeah. it's a pixie food. Maybe it's something that, you know, when I was a kid or not even a kid, but, you know, just even as a, a young adult, you know, having that Dole Whip was just like so special and so magical. And now yeah. older, later in life, it kind of makes me go, eh, not, not the same. Well, and I think, too, that so I don't think I ever had Dole Whip as a child. It was just something I came to as an mm-hmm. adult. And but I think the other the other kind of corollary to this is that food tastes good in a specific setting. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of what makes that so special is it does have this idea attached to it that this is the only place you can get this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're at Disneyland. It's of course you're in a happy mood and, and you're having this treat and something about, you know, the frustration of, of chunking down the banana that won't blend in your blender and then mm-hmm. serving it is is not quite the same magic happening yes. there. But yes. <laughs> Which is why I never but buy yeah. the beignet mix from Café Dumont in New Orleans and try to recreate it here at home. Like, you know, heating up a vat of oil and frying dough, it just doesn't yeah. give you yeah. the same experience as being served a nice, fresh, hot batch of fried dough beignet. So... How about you in terms of a pixie food? Do you have anything that as a kid was just magical and wonderful to you? And then when you tasted it again as an adult, you found it to be shockingly unpleasant? I have a few. I can't believe these. I've never heard this term, but like immediately one came to mind, which is Pop-Tarts. Oh, yes. And Mm -hmm. so... We never really had Pop-Tarts as I was a kid. My mom wasn't like a sugar cereal, Pop-Tarty, uh, you know, that kind of a, a parent. But you've always got that one cool friend mm-hmm. whose parents are. And so I had a good friend in middle school and you could just go there and it was like a Pop-Tart Palooza. <laughs> and I can like it's so strange what's happening to me right now as I'm sitting here. I'm like having that craving for it. The just um, strawberry frosted Pop-Tart. And you know, you burn your tongue on right. the inside on the jam and <laughs> it's like flaky and delicious and the little sprinkles are on it. And I um, tried Pop-Tarts as an adult and just I couldn't like take more than two bites. And in fact, I think I tried to like get my kids kind of hooked on them right. in this weird like, you know. Because then they would be around. they like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to get them for the kids. You know how they're so addicted to their Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yes, it immediately, it literally did pop right into my mind. That is um, that is a very clever term. So, and who knows, you know, I really also, going back to your baking conspiracy, I also think that ingredients just aren't the same as when we were kids. And so just naturally what they're, what they're using in things is not the same. So it really is not the same product That's anymore. a good point. That's a good point. My classic pixie food is Chef Boyardee mini ravioli in a can. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I'm right there with you on those, too. So, again, desperately, (laughs) desperately wanted these as a child. My mother did not buy them. I mean, we didn't didn't buy canned food, um, you you know, something that you could make. I mean, it just wasn't on her list. And maybe occasionally I'd get a SpaghettiO, but I really wanted that mini ravioli. And, again, I had the neighbor that was the cool kid whose mother bought those by the case, and she could have them anytime she wanted. And I was so jealous. One time when I was, I don't know, about 14 or 15, I had either talked my mom into buying me a can or I had bought myself a can. And I still remember a huge fight with my brother when I came into the kitchen and saw him opening my can of mini raviolis. (laughs) Not acceptable. So when my daughter was maybe... I don't know, three or four, Um, you know, back when definitely I was still buying her food and feeding her. 
I they started making those cute little mini cans, and they had you know with like the pop mm. lid, like a soda pop. You oh, know? okay. Yes. Yeah. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And again, sort of similar to you with the pop tarts. I thought, well, I have to give this to my daughter, and if she likes yes. it. <laughs> You know, I'll just, I'll have to have them in the house. have to have them in the house. So I got home and I popped that lid and I heated those suckers up and I took a bite before I gave it to her and it was so gross. I couldn't believe how sweet it was. Mm. It Mm. almost just tasted like wet dough with ketchup on it. Mm. My daughter (laughs) loved them. And so I think that's part of it, too. It's that whole palate thing, you know, that yes. to a kid, something plain and sweet is utterly delicious. And then to a grown-up, you say, uh, that's not what ravioli supposed to oh. taste like. So, yeah, Chef Boyardee mini ravioli is my biggest pixie food. Those are two things that would withstand very well in, like, an emergency kit, however, because I think their shelf life is, like, you know, from here to infinity and beyond. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, moving on down the road from Disneyland down to a classic ice cream flavor, we're going to try our hands at a Rocky Road ice cream. This comes from the Cuisinart. Uh, It's called the Simple Chocolate Ice Cream, and it's from the actual book that comes with the Cuisinart Ice Cream Maker, which is the one that both you and I have, Andrea. And it is a very straightforward ice cream with no eggs so if that is a consideration that is something here you are not making a custard you are just relying on our friend double cream and then some whole milk along with your other ingredients I'm really excited for this one Andrea as listeners know one of my baking resolutions for 2018 was to clean out my backlog of recipes and as I've been doing that one of the things I found which I had been missing was yes my Cuisinart ice cream recipe book so very happy to have that back with me. Was it tucked right next to your dull commemorative plastic pineapple? No no I could put my hands on that in a hot (laughs) second no. (laughs) You have another variation I think this is one of those really nice template ice creams you're really into those and um, so in addition to your milk and cream you've got your cocoa powder two kinds of sugar both dark brown and granulated and some vanilla Uh, but Andrea you know of a way to make this in a is it gluten-free or dairy-free or both it would be both now that you mention it I know it's dairy-free I hadn't even thought about the fact that it's gluten-free probably you should check your marshmallows because those might perhaps contain gluten um this also comes from listener Craig I'm realizing we should probably give him associate producer credit on this episode (laughs) Welcome to the 24th Floor Productions. So, yes. I, as a kid, loved Rocky Road ice cream more than anything on earth. We went to mm. Baskin Robbins all the time, and it was one of the things that I got all of the time. And kind of a similar pixie food as an adult. I tried it a few times and thought, why am I wasting my calories on Rocky Road ice cream when you could have, you know, sea salt smoked caramel or, you know, (laughs) all of these fancy high-end ice creams. So it had really fallen out of my rotation. And then Craig made it for me. Now, of course, his wife is lactose intolerant and gluten-free. So he substituted for the cup of whole milk, a cup of coconut milk. And for the two cups of heavy cream, he substitutes two cups of coconut cream. And so that's how you can have it non-dairy. And I think having the cocoa powder and having the coconut milk, it doesn't taste 
coconutty. Something about the cocoa、okay. powder somehow kind of masks that coconut flavor. Because that's been、okay. my biggest challenge in making non-dairy ice cream is you use the coconut and then things taste like coconut that you don't necessarily want to taste like coconut. Yes. Yes, you're not making coconut ice cream, right? And so when he made this the first time for me, and he used pistachio nuts instead of the traditional walnut or almond, and、uh, he did use the mini marshmallows, and then you know use the coconut substitutions. I was blown away. I thought I cannot <laughs> believe this Rocky Road ice cream is so good. So I also was looking at a little bit of history of the Rocky Road ice cream because the name is、oh. a bit unusual, as you can imagine. Imagine. As with almost everything we look into, there's a bit of drama and controversy associated <laughs> with this. So, is there another conspiracy with Rocky Road ice cream? I'm just waiting perhaps, for it. Perhaps, perhaps the person who most often gets credit for inventing Rocky Road was the dryer of dryers ice cream. And、oh, okay. in 1929,、uh, he created this. At that time, the only ice creams that were really available were the classic three: chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. So this was、mm-hmm. kind of one of the first very Variations that got really popular. It was made with chocolate ice cream and then included nuts and marshmallows. It seems like it、yeah. started with walnuts and over time kind of transitioned to almonds. And、okay. the rumor is that he cut the marshmallows in using his wife's sewing scissors. That, that sort of sounds like an urban legend to me, but who knows? Also, a little unhygienic, Mr. Dryer. So. <laughs> I, can you imagine too if you came into the kitchen and you saw someone using your sewing scissors to cut marshmallows? I would be a little ticked. I would too, because they'd be all sticky. I know. And, yeah. Mm, mm, urban myth. But the the drama comes into play with、um, you know after he popularized this and he said he gave it the name of Rocky Road because it came out in 1929, right in the midst of the Great Depression, and it was something、oh. to give people something to smile about. So kind of you know at the、oh. end of the Rocky Road, you still have something to smile about. But apparently, a man named George Farren who owned a Fenton's Creamery in Oakland and was friends with the Dryers claims that he originated it and they stole it. So, well, apparently, if you go to Fenton's Creamery in Oakland, they still claim to have the original Rocky Road. So, who knows who the actual originator was? Well, dipping a toe into the controversy once again, preheated <laughs> is is right at the forefront. So, I think I'm going to go ahead and make the dairy version. I always have slivered almonds because they're in the granola that I like to make. So、oh, I'll be doing、yeah. an almond and marshmallow variation. Again, this is just a really hopefully delicious classic chocolate base ice cream that you can then add your Rocky Road or what other other variations you might be interested in down the road. And as you know, we love our personality quizzes on preheated. So you'll be happy to know that Baskin Robbins has a not so scientific study about what a person's favorite ice cream flavor says about them. And listeners, if any of you would pick Rocky Road at your fav- as your favorite, you are supposedly more likely to be aggressive, engaging, and a good listener. Oh well, Rocky Road is my husband's favorite. Oh, so I would never call him aggressive, but he is a great listener, and yes, he's very engaging as well. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Well, remember, we will have a link to all of these recipes we've talked about. That's the Dole Whip, and then the. 
classic chocolate ice cream with a Rocky Road variation from the Cuisinart's uh, recipe book. And we'll put those up on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Pinterest and Facebook pages. Stefan, when you go to the grocery store or the farmer's market, are you ever tempted into making purchases in the produce section that perhaps weren't on your shopping list? <laughs> yes. Do you remember our little jaunt to Borough Market last fall? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, listeners, that's one of London's kind of most iconic and largest outdoor produce markets. They also sell cheese and breads and spices and Yeah, every time I'm there, I end up leaving with way more than I had bargained for. And, you know, whether it's like the famous Bramley apples in the fall or that um, candlelit grown Yorkshire rhubarb in the spring or right now the the English strawberries are in. And, yeah, it's really hard to not be tempted. It's all so lovely. Yeah, I am guilty of this as well. I often have eyes bigger than my stomach or – More likely, what I should say is that my baking plans are often more ambitious than the actual amount of time I have Mm, allotted mm. for cooking during the week. Especially during the summer, I have kind of my local version of Borough Market, which is our fruit stands open. And they open every day, and they have a fresh selection. And it's on my way to the school drop-off or, you know, whatever day camp or errand I'm running. And so I often stop with an intention to grab a pint of whatever fruit it is, whether it's strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, marionberries. And then I end up getting a whole flat, or sometimes I've got (laughs) two flats because because they just look so good. Yeah, I think um, Andrea's Jam Factory maybe needs to set up a little roadside stand. (laughs) Yeah, just do a little side-by-side. That'd be smart. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, that's why I'm excited about this mini segment. We are calling this Past Their Prime, and we're going to talk about some new ways to solve that age-old problem of using up your fresh fruits fast. Keep in mind when you're thinking of things to do with your fruits as they start to wane, that overripe fruit is sweeter than perfectly ripe or underripe fruit. So you want to find ways to use that sweetness but disguise the texture yeah and you know I think that food waste is really top of mind for lots of people certainly you and I are always talking about that and you know nothing makes me cringe more than throwing out fruit that started to to mold or that I haven't been able to use in time so Andrea what are some of your favorite ways to use fruit that's getting a little spotty and soft Oh, oh how's my English accent coming along oh I liked it. One of the things I typically do is make a jam or a chunky sauce or a compote. And that's really easy. Um, Sometimes I don't want to turn the stove on or get the heat going. And so another go-to that I make is compound butter. So I'll let some butter Mm, soften mm. up and then throw in a little bit of that fruit. And a lot of times I'll just make even a single serving, something to put on a hot biscuit or a scone. And I might do that with cream cheese as well. So I might make like an orange honey butter or a strawberry basil or a jalapeno lime. Those all, you know, turn out really good and have a variety of applications. Another good thing is a fruit crumble or a fruit pie. You know, once those fruits are cooked and wrapped in a pastry, no one will be the wiser that they might have been a little bit past their prime. 
Yeah. And in fact, as you noted, that since they're sweeter, sometimes they're really better mm-hmm. in that way as well. Um, you know, I'm reminded when you're talking about your butters, we did those jalapeno cheddar scones um, last April during our breakfast bakes mm-hmm. month. I think it was episode 24. Yes. And we did the honey butter with a little bit of orange, I think, too. Did it have a little it orange, did. orange honey butter? It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is so excellent. And then more recently, we were talking about um, our preference for a homemade, you were saying you did not like a commercially prepared flavored cream right. cheese, like a strawberry cream cheese. But it's an instance where you make that at, your, at home yourself, and it's so much yes. better than what you can buy in the store. So for me, I like to do the basic quick breads. I know that is such a thing with the preheaters, especially the banana. But, you know, you can also do, um, have you seen like a cupcake, a plain vanilla or lemon cupcake? And it has that kind of hidden ball of maybe like a raspberry yes. or you know in the middle yes. and that can be a nice thing for a muffin for a bread for for a cupcake I love that and smoothies you know that's not groundbreaking but it's a great way to use up that fruit oh, and yeah. oftentimes taste better you know another one is to roast fruit and we had such great success with that um in last year's frozen month of June when we did uh the strawberry buttermilk roasted 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 strawberry strawberry buttermilk buttermilk. ice cream. Yes, it is so good. And that was episode 30. And, you know, that continues to get raves a year on. If people are new to the show, it's one of the first ones that they kind of seek out consistently. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is because you roast a pan of strawberries to go in the puree. And, you know, you could put that in ice cream. You could also put it on a pound cake or as a topping, Mm, too. mm, So I think so many good ways to use that up. Finally, out of the kitchen, you can always mash up a little overripe banana or avocado as a little face mask, and then you can just have a bright and beautiful complexion. Oh, there you go. I love that idea. (laughs) Plus, that's fun in the summer when you've got kids at home. You know, smearing food on your face. What's not to love there? You got it. When mom says it's okay. Anything new that you are doing, Andrea? Yes. Well, thanks to you and my beloved Waitrose grocery store in London, you know, since I get all of their circulars and recipes and everything else now, I have discovered this delicious recipe. It is called Strawberries in Sweet Lemon, Cardamom, and Black Pepper Syrup. Oh, I know. So you just take two pints of your strawberries washed and, you know, I cut the stem off. I'll put those in a shallow bowl and then you make a simple syrup on the stove just by warming some water, adding a bit of sugar, some vanilla bean paste, the lemon zest, the cardamom, and the pepper. You bring that Mm. to a boil, let it simmer for a couple of minutes, and then, you know, it turns nice and syrupy. You pour it over the strawberries and then let it stand for about 15 minutes. So you've got this hot roasted strawberry goodness (laughs) oh trust waitress that sounds amazing so do you just eat it warm then or could you also let it cool off or is warm the best way Uh, well you know me I'm always a warm is the best (laughs) way so I don't know what it tastes like (laughs) cooled off to be honest um I you can eat it warm and plain so you could just eat it straight out of the bowl or also what I like to do is top it with a little bit of whipped cream or some vanilla ice cream and keeping in mind this is where it doesn't matter if your strawberries were perfectly beautiful. Once you put that warm syrup over them and once you top it with cream or ice cream, no one will ever know. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love all these ideas and I know that our listeners are very creative also. So you guys were very interested to hear what you are doing with your overripe fruit are you doing purees are you roasting are you doing quick breads we would love to know so please post on our facebook page or send us a message we are hosts at preheatedpodcast.com 
Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode on to the cooling rack. Next week, we'll see if our modern-day twist on old-fashioned Rocky Road ice cream satisfies our palates and our dietary choices. We'll also try out a new ingredient, tahini. Not just for hummus anymore. We're taking this delicious sesame-flavored treat and combining it with chocolate and bananas for an interesting twist on soft-serve ice cream. Also, Stefan sits down with Helen Goh co-author of Preheated Favorite Cookbook Suite and Otolenghi Pastry Chef, to talk about her road to baking fame, her favorite frozen treats, and what it's like to bake for Christmas in June. This is one jam-packed episode you won't want to miss. You can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like our show, please do tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download our podcast. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.